Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with me. Glad to be with you once again. Another week. Another magical week in American history and in the history of the world. So happy to be here. Anyway, um, standard disclaimer. The views expressed on Strange Sound are my own. They represent neither the views of anyone associated with me nor the views of anyone that I work with or my employer or my friends or my neighbors. No one else's views are represented on Strange Sound other than my own. I am Joe. I am responsible for everything that is said on this show called Strange Sound with Joe. And I am he. Anyway, we've established that. Glad to be with you, as I said. Um, This has been a really uh, kind of disturbing week in the news. I think probably... Uh, if you're if you're choosing which uh, <laughs> which stories to get most upset about, uh, there's plenty to choose from. Uh, but probably prominent on my mind this week has been um, the terror campaign in Israel Palestine uh, that's going on right now. That's mostly affecting Palestinians, and uh, that's. What I wrote on my blog about this week, and um, I am, as is my habit of recent weeks, um, I am going to read my blog post for this past Friday. Uh, I am recording this on Saturday, May 15th, 2021. Uh, this is episode 63 of Strange Sound, by the way. And, uh, hmm. I'm just going to up my volume here a little bit because I seem to be, my levels seem to be a little bit low. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, yes. Here we go. And uh, I'm going to record, as is my habit, my political rant for the week. As I said, very upsetting week. Um, And I, I know that there's a lot of strong feeling around this. I am recording this on May 15th, that the situation in the Middle East is developing rapidly deteriorating rapidly um, as we speak. So by the time you hear this, I probably won't post this until Monday. So by the time you hear this, things may have changed significantly since since my um, recording of this. Uh, so I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to re- read my blog post from Friday, which was posted on Friday, May 14th. That was current as of that day. I will be commenting on this on the 15th which will be current as of that day and i will be posting this probably on the 17th so this whole thing will probably be out the window but i'm gonna try to stick to major themes you know and you don't come to me for news you come to me for what i think if you come to me at all or you hate listen to me that's fine i don't care why you listen (laughs) if you want to hate listen to me fine If you want to just listen to me because you want to hear what I have to say, that's great. You're more than welcome. Glad to have you with me. Anyway, uh, let me proceed with reading this week's blog post on political rants. Uh, I've been calling it Furious Rants on this show. And you can find these at big-green.net if you follow the blog link. Um, Just look for the category political rants. 
and you'll see this is the most recent one posted. If you're listening, um, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, um, <laughs> that's a song my brother wrote. Um, on May 17th or sometime um, proximate to that, uh, this will be the most recent one. It's entitled, When Brute Strength Gets Construed as Virtue. And it goes something like this. We're witnessing another paroxysm of killing in the occupied territories of what was once Mandate Palestine. The Israelis using their first world military capabilities against a captive against a captive population with at best pathetic means of self-defense. Much has been written, broadcast, etc. about the proximate cause of this latest bloodbath. I am somewhat persuaded by the argument that it may be a function of Netanyahu's inability to form a coalition government for the umpteenth time. The best way to get the religious bigot and neo-fascist blocks on your team is to start blowing Palestinians to bits. Whatever the specific heinous sequence of events, this is just Israel, quote, mowing the lawn, unquote, once again, dropping bombs on one of the most densely populated regions on earth, rampaging through Al-Aqsa Mosque, beating the living hell out of young Palestinians and killing as many as they can manage. Uh, you can see my posts on the 2014 edition of this ongoing story. You have no doubt heard endless condemnations of the rockets being fired into Israel from open air, the open-air prison that is Gaza. But make no mistake, these are toys compared to what's being dropped on Gazans every day and every night. The power differential between the two sides is absolute. There is no question but that Israel is legitimately a country. It has a highly problematic origin story and was founded on massive violence and displacement like every other country, including and especially the United States. So within the pre-1967 borders, it has rights and responsibilities. Beyond those borders, in East Jerusalem, in the West Bank, in Gaza, in the Golan, it has only responsibilities, no rights. Our international order is less than ideal, but to the extent that there is a law of nations, that principle is at the center of it. Palestinians have national rights, even though they don't currently have a nation-state. But because of their forced separation from their homeland, they are not seen by our foreign policy establishment as having the right to self-defense, to a decent living, to be free from the hand of oppressors, and so on. It is therefore up to us to ensure that their right to exist as a people is duly recognized. Because of the degree to which the Israeli military relies on direct aid from us, popular opinion on Israel-Palestine in the United States is crucial. Up until recent years, the only voices you would hear on the mainstream media were those of Israeli PR flacks. But as The Intercept has reported recently, this is changing the same way public perception of police violence in the U.S. is changing, largely due to the fact that smartphone cameras make millions of people amateur photojournalists and documentary filmmakers. Now raw footage of Israeli troops abusing Palestinians, marauding through their places of worship, their schools, etc., is available to compete with a carefully crafted video being generated by the IDF. Beyond that, a broader range of voices can now be heard on corporate media, such that actual substantive criticism of Israeli policy makes its way onto the airwaves to a greater extent than it did just a few years ago. That's a remarkable shift that reflects shifting sentiments around the nation. 
This is not the first atrocity committed against Palestinians, and it won't be the last. As Americans, we need to do what we can to move our government closer to a reasonable position on this conflict. Right now, their heads are in the 1980s. We need to snap them out of it. Love you, Joe. That, my friends, is my furious rant for this week. Again, if you want to read this or share it with other folks in text form, you can find it at big-green.net. Follow the blog link and look for political rants, and you'll find it will be at the top of the list. To expand on this, well, I mean, obviously there have been development there have been developments since I I uh, published this, or, or at least since I wrote this yesterday. I believe it was my time, <laughs> so I'm talking about Friday sometime. Uh, the Israeli military bombed uh, the offices of Al Jazeera uh, in Gaza. Um, they they took down the building now. You know, they pat themselves on the back because they called the building, you know, called the owner of the building to let them know, gave them an hour's notice before um, they blew the thing up. So they like congratulate themselves at how humane they are and how considerate they are that, you know, they let everybody know. <laughs> they give everybody the opportunity to know that they're going to blow up the building an hour before they blow up the building, which is really, really nice. Thanks a lot, IDF. Appreciate it. But you just blew up a building for a major news organization that's reporting on the bloodletting that you've unleashed on Gaza. And, you know, that is a heinous act. If that isn't a war crime, I don't know what is. I mean, you're deliberately trying to stop reporting on this by major news organizations, including the AP. And they're, you know, the networks handle this very gingerly, you know. Um, I saw on MSNBC um, one of their correspondents saying, you know, well, it's, yeah. Yeah, they gave him warning, you know. <laughs> it's like, what? And, you know, you could tell he wasn't super happy about it. But at the same time, he knows what his audience is and he knows who's he, who he's working for. So he doesn't want to want to be too far out there but you know this is and i don't want to suggest that this is more heinous than any of the other stuff the israeli military has been doing in gaza in recent days certainly not um it's something that you know you'd think would um affect westerners more directly (laughs) because you're you know basically eliminating um the center of operations for um, journalistic organizations and media um, that are based outside of Gaza. That's their area of operations. That's their facility out of which they operate. And you can't really get reliable reporting on this without um, reporters having some place to, to work. <sighs> Okay, so, I mean, to back up a little bit, this issue, this situation is just an ongoing oppression of the Palestinians that breaks out into open armed conflict um, at semi-regular intervals. The last major 
um, explosion of this was back in 2014. There's been there have been smaller skirmishes since, and there was there was the thing about this, you know, the separation wall, uh, Palestinians sort of lining up in Gaza up up against the the barrier between Gaza and Israel proper, and uh, sending balloons over and that sort of thing, um, and being shot. <laughs> so that went on for well over a year. Of course, the COVID thing is is sort of like turned everything upside down over there as well. But this is, in all honesty, um, the way this has been reported on over the years and the way it's still reported on largely through the Western media and the way that our, um, our most powerful government officials speak about this, and I'm talking about our Secretary of State, I'm talking about the President of the United States. I'm talking about all of the people who are directly responsible for our policy in this region, including, you know, senior members of the Senate Democratic Caucus, certainly the Republican Caucus, and, you know, the uh, House Caucus. They're all, you know, it's all the same thing. It's always the same thing. Israel has the right to defend itself. They're sending missiles over. Yes, they're sending missiles over. Rockets, let's say. These are incredibly unsophisticated weapons. And they make it, you know, they make a big point out of the fact that these are indiscriminate weapons. Yeah, they're indiscriminate weapons because they don't have the budget for more discriminating weapons. Do you think for one moment that the people that are firing these rockets wouldn't rather have something that they could steer directly at the IDF? directly at military installations in Israel? You think for one moment that they wouldn't trade what they have for something like that? Sure, they'd love to do that. And would you criticize them any less for that? No, you wouldn't. You'd be criticizing them for that as well. Because inevitably, someone would get killed. Or someone would get hurt. And that's what happens when you start a conflict. When you start attacking people and rampaging through their mosques and, you know, attacking them in their neighborhoods and mass dispossessing them, besides just the normal strangulation of Gaza and ongoing harassment of every part of Palestinian society, what's left of it, this is just, you know, how can you expect them to react any other way? Do they have a right to self-defense? And what are they supposed to do? They're being attacked with highly sophisticated, world-class weaponry. The Israeli military has the most sophisticated weaponry in the world. It's practically on par with the United States. In fact, it's really hard to separate the Israeli military from the U.S. military. They have such a deep and broad um, relationship, including just in terms of forward basing of material and equipment. Just a a very close relationship. It's very hard to disentangle those two things. That's the level of sophistication that they have at their disposal. Aside from just, you know, the, the bullhorn that they have in terms of public relations and in terms of powerful people in the United States of both parties, you know, in the political class. 
arguing for them, you know, um, repeating their talking points. It's a very uneven fight. This is not a battle. This is an attack by one armed force against a population. They are not attacking Hamas. They are attacking Palestinians. You know, they may have a beef with Hamas. They see them as being responsible for the rockets going over. Personally, I think it's partly them, but it's probably other players as well. It actually doesn't matter. When you're bombing a place as densely populated as Gaza, you're going to kill a lot of people. So why are you dropping bombs on the goddamn place? If you want to go in and try to arrest somebody, why don't you take the risk and go in there and try to arrest somebody? It's because they don't want to risk anything. They would rather just do the easy thing and drop a bomb. It's kind of like our policy with drones, right? We send a drone over because we don't want to go there ourselves and put our soldiers at risk. Well, that's admirable, except that it's also just it's also just to protect ourselves. We want to kill somebody, and we don't care if we kill a bunch of other people as well, as long as we get that one person without risking ourselves. I mean, honestly, it's... Uh, <sighs> This conflict has gone on for decades. It's deteriorated in a huge way over the course of my lifetime. And, you know, I was I was born long before even the 1967 war. I was eight years old when the 1967 war hit. And when Israel took over East, East Jerusalem, the West Bank, Golan Heights, and the Sinai, including Gaza. And they've held on to everything but the Sinai, <laughs> right? They gave that back with the uh, Camp David Accords in the late 70s. But they also, you know, they traded that for peace with Egypt, which was one of the major countervailing forces in the Middle East that sort of, in a rough way, held them in check. Not entirely, because they were always more powerful than the Egyptian military, as they proved in 1967 with their preemptive attack when they destroyed Nasser's army um, and in so doing uh, incurred the gratitude of the Saudis. They weren't openly <laughs> grateful about it, I'm sure, but they, they did the Saudis a solid because they were fighting Nasser too in Yemen at that time. So they were happy to see Israel flatten Nasser's army. But that began the current phase of expansion into the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and the Golan as well. They did give back the Sinai after after the, um, you know, that's a long story, but <laughs> I won't get into it at this point, but you, and there's plenty of sources on this. Check it out. But what we're seeing now is a continuation of a process that began then. And what I said in the blog post about, about Israel um, being a legitimate country is because they, we keep raising this point about, well, you know, does Israel have a right to exist? Of course it does. It exists. It is a recognized state within its borders, within its internationally recognized borders. It is a state, just like any other state. The United States is a state. Russia is a state. France is a state. Israel is a state. How did it come to be? Every state has a problematic origin story. Every state involves 
killing, displacement, dispossession. And Israel is the same in certain respects as as every other state that's ever been established. Pre-1967 Israel. And when I said in the blog that it has both rights and responsibilities, what I mean is it has the rights of a state that is recognized as such in our very imperfect international system of law. It has all the rights of a state, but it also has the responsibilities of a state too. Which is to say, it has a responsibility to the, to the Palestinians it displaced and sent into Jordan and sent into Egypt and sent into Lebanon and sent into other countries throughout the Middle East. It has responsibility to those peoples and those families. The same way the United States has a responsibility to native populations and to the descendants of slaves and to the descendants of countries we destroyed. So rights and responsibilities. Now, beyond those pre-1967 recognized borders of Israel, in other words, in East Jerusalem, even though they've annexed it in East Jerusalem, which does not belong to them, in the West Bank, none of which belongs to them, in the Golan, which none of which belongs to them, even though they've annexed it, it doesn't belong to them. And we cannot recognize it as such. We cannot recognize those, those territories as being part of Israel unless we're going to, uh, you know, just say, okay, you can take things by force if you want to. You know, might makes right. I think we've at least claimed to reject that principle. In most cases, right? We criticize Russia for doing it, right? In the Crimea. We criticize others for doing it, but not Israel. But we don't criticize ourselves for still holding on to, to Guantanamo, of course. But that's another story. And of course, we still, um, we've extended recognition of Moroccan sovereignty over Western Sahara which is uh, heinous. That was something that uh, Trump traded their recognition of Israel. He basically signed off on their um, occupation and their annexation of Western Sahara in return for that recognition, Uh, which is doubly heinous. But again, uh, the Biden administration has not reversed that policy any more than they've reversed the policy of moving the embassy in um, in Israel to East Jerusalem, which is not part of Israel. But it's a tacit rec- recognition of the annexation by force of East Jerusalem, which they, which the current fighting has been ignited by. They were pushing Palestinians out of their homes. They were attacking Palestinian worshipers in Al-Aqsa, the mosque, at the end of Ramadan. So I mean my my point about you know the legitimacy of of Israel is it's just to let's take that off the table okay the question of what they do moving forward within the pre 1967 borders is is a question of human rights and the rights of refugees the right of return and the rights of of Palestinian citizens of Israel should they have equal rights 
I think so. But the people in the occupied territories, a lot of those people are refugees or descended from refugees from Israel proper. You know, all those families that live in Gaza, a lot of those families did not, you know, they're not originally from Gaza. They're from places in Israel. If you go back and look at uh, some of Robert Fisk's writings from, like, for instance, his uh, his late 80s, I think 1990 book, um, Pity the Nation, which was about the Lebanon War, the Civil War. I think it's out of print right now, but you can find it. He talks about Palestinians in Lebanon and how, uh, I think it's at the opening of the book, actually, uh, he talks about the keys to Palestine and how a lot of the families, refugee families in Lebanon, who he was interviewing and meeting with in the 1970s, uh, during at the start of the uh, 15-year um, Lebanese civil war, that a lot of them had keys to their homes in Israel, because when they when they were driven out in 1948, um, they had every intention of returning. So they brought their keys with them, and at that point, they'd been there for 30 years, <laughs> waiting to return. You know, they had these old, you know, keys and they had probably Ottoman era deeds to their homes. Those people are still in exile. And the people in exile in Gaza are being attacked now by a first world army. Some of them are shooting back randomly with third world weapons. And it's pathetic. But just bear this in mind. And I'll I'll close with this. It's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, you shouldn't be firing rockets. You're just bringing, you're, you're bringing the storm upon yourself. It's easy for us to sit here in our comfortable uh, first world, developed world, you know, living rooms and, and kibitz about how the Palestinians could handle themselves better. We're not in that situation. We don't live under this brutal occupation this um, embargo that they've been living with for decades, this oppressive open-air prison that they live in in Gaza particularly, but also just the hardship of living in the, in the West Bank as well and in East Jerusalem, this being divided, this being under suspicion, this being under attack by both the IDF and by Israeli citizens and by the settler communities, which tend to be even more fanatical. It's easy for us to say, yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's terrible. I don't know what we would do if we were in that situation, you and I. What would you do? It's hard to predict because we're not in that situation. So I'm not going to lecture Palestinians on how they react to being attacked and being provoked time and time again. It's time to stop this. We need to condition aid to Israel on its behavior and on its efforts to stop this bloodletting. Only they can stop it. Only they can stop it. I know they would rather the Palestinians be compliant and just shuffle off into history and disappear because that's what they want. But they're not going to do it. They need to accommodate they need to make make concessions. 
They need to stop occupying what's left of historic Palestine, the 22% of historic Palestine that they left to the Palestinians. It needs to stop. And I think the only thing we can really do is just encourage our legislators and our president, our wonderful president, who's useless on this issue, just like he's useless on most foreign policy issues, encourage our wonderful president and our wonderful administration to actually fucking do something about this. They have the leverage. It's time to use it. And just encourage people around you to think about this issue a bit more deeply. It's true there are more opinions about this out now than there have been um, in previous years. So, you know, that's that's a good thing. But uh, we get a lot of work to do. We get a lot of distance to cover. And the Palestinians don't have a lot of time. You know, they're losing people. Every day, this needs to stop. That's all I've got for this week. I'd like to hear what you think. My guess is that you have strong feelings about what I've said, <laughs> particularly in this episode. When you go to anchor.fm slash strange sound, you can leave a one minute voice message. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at strange sound pod. If you go to big greennet and follow the contact link, there are other ways to get in touch with me as well. By all means, tweet at me, send me personal messages on Twitter. Um, Follow the show, like the show, share the show. You can find us on Facebook as well. Um, The links are at anchor.fm slash strange sound. And, you know, by all means, uh, get in touch with me. I'd be glad to play your comments on the show, assuming they're not too incendiary. And I'd be glad to have this turn into a conversation. If you're interested in having a conversation with me, Joe. Anyway, have a good week. Take care out there. Be careful. Get your shots. (laughs) See you soon.